There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the Cricket Collective once again with me, Neil Manthorpe. My guest today is unique in the game as the only man to have coached four of the major nine test-playing nations. He led his native South Africa to their first ever test series win in Australia and the first in England for 43 years before moving to Australia and coaching their national team for just long enough to acquire citizenship. He won the Champions Trophy with Pakistan and is now head coach of Sri Lanka. He also sits on the ICC's Cricket Committee, which advised on the changes in the laws and protocols for playing the game in these coronavirus times. So welcome to Mickey Arthur. You are the only man in history to have coached four of the major test-playing nations with respect to Zimbabwe, Afghanistan and Ireland. It's extraordinary to me. Does it feel extraordinary to you? It does. It, it does feel extraordinary. When you say it like that, man, is, and I, I was actually, when you sent me the questions the other day and I, I actually looked at them, that's when it actually struck me for the first time. And it, 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 does, seem, it does seem extraordinary, you know. And I, I think the first one is you, you want to coach your native country. So doing that was coaching South Africa was, was fantastic. Um, Australia, as you say, got our citizenship. Although there was a period there where, where, where it was okay, but then you haven't coached till you've coached in the subcontinent. I fell in love with my three years with Pakistan. I, it was amazing. I loved it. And I feel exactly the same vibe and the same project with Sri Lanka. So I love, I'm loving it and couldn't be happier. The Australia didn't go so well. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to come back to the, the homework gate. But, um, but otherwise, I mean, you've had... Terrific, yeah, wonderful success with South Africa and Pakistan. Yeah, it it, it was fantastic. I, and, I, you know, I was very lucky. You know, it, it's, it's, I, there were some wonderful players. You know, and I, always, I always talk about my time with South Africa. I was a young coach, um, as you well know, man, as you, you documented it all the way through. Was, 
I was a young coach with a very young team and we kind of worked it out as, as we went along. I was a very young captain in Graham. I was a very young coach, but we were lucky to have an abundance of fantastically talented players. And we, and we worked it out as we went. So I got lucky there with South Africa, without a doubt. You know, um, we gelled. We had, we had some good fun along the way. And we had some, some great success, which was, which was great. And, and that allowed me the opportunities to go to Australia and coach in Australia. And, and also the opportunities to coach on the 2020 circuits, but also to, to, to coach Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So I will always be indebted to my time with South Africa. I loved every minute of it. I hope I contributed in a small way, but we had some fantastically talented players. Um, let's rewind to your own playing career then. Um, I, guess, I guess I'm referencing the debate about whether it's necessary for international coaches to have played international cricket. You did come very close. You played 110 first-class matches, though, 150 List A games, 6,500-plus runs. Um, at an average of 33 and a half with 1300s. Uh, when you look back at, at your first class career, it was over a decade long. Are you satisfied? Yeah, I think so, Manners. And, and, and you, you, you were very, very kind there in, in your assessment. I, I do think I got everything I possibly could out of myself as a, as a first class cricketer. I did come close um, to playing for South Africa, really close. But to be honest, and if I'm brutal with myself, I probably just wasn't good enough to play international cricket. I was very handy. I was a journeyman on the, on the provincial circuit. I could do a really good job for, for the team. And those runs were scored a lot of my time. And I hate referring to it as the apartheid time um, where there was no international cricket. But, but I, I, a lot of those runs, that's when I started. So, you know, th those, were, th those, were, those were tough times, very, very well-contested games. So I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm happy. but. But coaching was always where I wanted to get to. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, in conversation with Mickey Arthur. For everyone who says that you, you have to have international experience, I think there's two or three players or people, observers of the game, who say, no, it's, it's not necessary. But, but, but having played that much first-class cricket and having come that close to international cricket... Was it ever an issue? Did, you, did any player ever say, well, what do you know? You don't know what it's like out there in a test match. <laughs> no, maybe one or two Australians, but, 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 but nobody else. Um, no, no, not at all, man. And, and I, think, I think the way you do your job and the way you run your, your cricket team as an international coach, um, the players will see through you if, you if you don't do the job right. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. You can't bulldust your way along in international cricket. You've got to be on the money. You've got to be providing the structures. You've got to be providing the environment. You've got to be honest as you can be. You've, you've got to build a system of trust. And you have to be able to tweak guys' techniques. You have to be proficient enough to help them be the best they can be. So, so if you can't do those things, um, you'll be found out very, very quickly in international cricket. The, the thing with me is, is, is and, and one of my massive bugbears is, is when you talk coaching, coaching's a career. You know, I, I, I always see players go, you know, well, so what are you going to do now when they're coming to the end of their time? Oh, no, I think I'll just go into coaching. Well, it's, it, that's like just a throwaway line. You know, the best coaches in the world have done their apprenticeship. And, 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 and that goes without saying. The best coaches in the world have, have coached at a, at a low level, have gone and got their coaching, their coaching certificates. 
have put the time in and grown and then become uh, good at, the, at their job and then have the opportunities provided for them. And it does, it does give me a little bit of a bugbear when I see really good players just think, okay, well, I'll just go into coaching now without, without ever, ever knowing what, what goes into being a coach. And, and as I've said to you earlier, you know, you'll get found out. If you don't do it properly, you'll get found out a lot of the time. Your man management skills is, is so, so important. This is a quick quixotic thought, but has it ever occurred to you that you, how different a player you might have been if the Mickey Arthur of the last decade had been there to coach you as a young player? Yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of thought that, and 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 everybody, everybody gets their own coaching style. And and look, I, I had some very good coaches during my time. Uh, the the one that, that that stands out for me being being the late Eddie Barlow and. And a lot of my coaching philosophies centered around what, what, Eddie, what Eddie taught me, what Eddie taught us as a group, particularly during the, the, the days at Free State. Um, he, was, he was phenomenal. He, Eddie was almost ahead of his time. So I've tried to take the best out of, out of the coaches I've had and then imply them with my character. Because the one thing you can't be and, and you can't sustain is if you coach out of your character. Because who you are is who you are. You've got to make, just like any player, where you've got to make the players the best they can be. You've got to make yourself the best coach you can be, but you can't be different to the person, to the man. So, so I've tried to take everything I could on board, but stay true to myself in terms of my character. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, in conversation with Mickey Arthur. Having observed you for the last 15 years, though, um, I, I have seen some changes in your in your style. Um, I sense that you have become quite a lot more forthright. You spot on manners. You you you. And I sit here the best coach I can be now. That's like being the best player. You you can't walk into the supermarket and buy experience. You only become the best by 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 learning by getting that experience. And South Africa was so good for me. Yes, there were times I was forthright there. I'm I'm actually quite a quite a tough customer i'm 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 actually uh, fairly stubborn in my ways and I, and and i want i want things to run properly and i want things to run smoothly i get irritated when things don't so 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 those are things that are generally behind behind the 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 man and behind the camera as it were but um yeah i was very lucky and and i've i've worked with wonderful captains and obviously myself and graham learning and and developing together as a team was was invaluable, and I've taken all those lessons, and, and I've applied them. And 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 as I've gone along, I've I've made myself the best I could be. And and you're 100% right. I'm certainly a lot more forthright now in terms of my views and in terms of the way I want things to to operate. The only demand I, that I'm aware of you making, increasingly, in fact, of your teams is fitness. Uh, you were absolutely uncompromising about that. There were one or two members of the Pakistan team who who didn't meet your standards in that regard. I, I just thought with the Pakistan team, we needed to set standards, uh, Manas. So I'll always say I operate the environment in a, in an environment of excellence, and that's a non-negotiable. And, and and with excellence, batting and bowling, it, you can be the you can be the best you can be, but you can lose the battle on the day. The bowler can be better than you or the batsman can be better than you. But in terms of your fielding and in terms of your, your fitness 
your preparation, in other words, that's controllable. You can control that. And we want those players arriving the best prepared they can be to then go out and bat and bowl and win games for the side. So, yes, I have become totally uncompromising on that because I don't think you can compete in the modern game, in the modern area, without being very proficient in your, in your fitness. And that leads to better results in your fielding, batting, and bowling. I always say to the players, particularly in the subcontinent manners, it's not a box, ticks, it's not a box ticking exercise. This allows you to turn, in the heat, in the extreme heat, in the extreme conditions, it allows you to turn those 70s into match-winning 100s. It allows you to bowl the last over of your spell with the same intensity as you bowled your first. And it allows you to be as awake and as mentally tuned in in that heat if when a chance presents itself in the field. So we, we, we make no compromises on that. Well, I've been around the world watching this game. Look at tears. They are crying out there. Ponting cannot believe this has happened to his team. The South Africans at the bull ring today have seen the best one day the national ever played. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe. This week's guest is the former South Africa head coach, Mickey Arthur. The four-three-eight game, or or the, <laughs> or as the Australians call it, the four-three-four game. That I mean, what the people <laughs> forget about that one-day series is that it was tied at two all. Yes. And mm-hmm. and the, the 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 third and fourth games had both been one-wicket wins, and then so it's all set up for this decider. Australia go out there and make four hundred and thirty-four. Do you make a living out of it? I mean, the, the like doing four-three-eight game talks is it like having <laughs> created a successful record that just pays you royalties every year <laughs> i wish it just kept on paying royalties but no it was i mean what a wonderful and i think you summed it up so well man is is that what people don't realize was we went two nil up as south africa australia hit back in the third in pe and the fourth winning by one wicket in both of them and that fourth game was was um uh, was for me one of the best one-day internationals because I remember it was uh, Mick Lewis and Stuart Clark. I think won it for them at the end, and and you know you, you know you, uh, and then obviously set up that four-three-eight game. What a day! Fantastic, and the range of emotions on the day were are, are very well documented. But I'll never forget when I we went to Australia. I signed Mick Lewis to come and play for us in the in the 2020 comp at Western Australia. We 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 needed a bowler. Mick Lewis had just been released by Victoria. He got on the phone. He phoned me and uh, and and came down and, and and we sat there and reminisced about it. And he was obviously pretty dirty about the fact that he was the one singled out who who, who lost his career. He went he went for a hundred obviously in the four three eight game. I mean every bowler went as as you could imagine by the by the numbers went went for plenty. But people forget that in the fourth ODR he was man of the match. He won that he won that game for Australia to get them to the Wanderers to to have a crack at winning the series, and he's and he's he's forever dirty for that, and he's all, and he also is incredibly dirty by the fact that Brett Lee and Nathan Bracken didn't bowl out, 
and Ricky Ponting bowled him out on that on that day. So, uh, so, but you know, what a day! I mean, geez, it was unbelievable. And that is the end of the innings. A wonderful batting performance by the Australians. Of that, there is no doubt a world record batting performance. So uh, there it is, 434 for four off the 50 overs bowled. When you drew up the targets to chase 434, 434 or 435, go on, take up the story because the players love it. Well, it, it, it was ridiculous, and, and that's gone after the very well do- documented. You know, I mean, I, I remember seeing, seeing. Remember Stan the Duck? He was the Standard Bank mascot. I'll never forget having a look at the at the lunch break, and Stan the Duck was just to the left. I was sitting on the balcony at the Wonders, absolutely gutted, thinking the world had ended. I was, you know, I could hear the chant from the crowd: "You're going to be sacked in the morning." You know, that that was the kind of thing I heard. And, Stan the Duck was sitting with his head in his hands. I thought, geez, even the mascot's feeling it here. And, uh, and, and you know, Joe, the, the Jacques Callis quotes around, I think the bowlers have, have, done the, have done their job. That's a pass score. It's up to the batsman now type thing. And I remember going to the border, and I remember it vividly. And I'm sitting there going, what targets do we set here? I mean, how? Because you always work the target, and then you work back. So, so you had end of 50 overs, 435. How, how, do, how do I put this into, into little stanzas along the way? And I think I got to the, at 10 overs, um, was we needed to be like 110, but we couldn't be more, more than one wicket down. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. So I said, boys, look, look this is where I've got it. And, and I sort of went 110 and 10, no more than one wicket down. And everybody just burst out laughing. <laughs> and I'll never, I'll never forget grabbing the paper off the clipboard and said, ah, oh, stuff it. Just go and play. Let's see what happens. And everybody said, "Yeah, well, let's just go and hit the ball and, and see what happens." And of course, it was it was absolutely sublime. I mean, what a day! You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two with me, Neil Ranthorpe, in conversation with Mickey Arthur. So you, you've got the Test series now to to worry about a year later. So you, you're on that return trip. And just to put it into context once again, South Africa had been trying to win in Australia for 98 years, 11 <laughs> unsuccessful tours. They managed to draw a couple, but it was the last frontier. There's very, very few records that, that haven't been broken, haven't been achieved in international cricket. And so you set off and you did things differently. I mean, you, you had literally been not planning it every day, but you had been literally talking about it on and off, planning scenario planning for for three years yeah yeah we had we actually had matters but every test tour that we had had a had an added significance in achieving the end goal and when we looked at the at, at the fixture list that 2008 year in test cricket was an absolutely massive year for south africa we had bangladesh and bangladesh india and india england and england australia and australia all in one year and, and I, remember, I remember us using the, Indi- the Bangladesh tour as a, as a, as a, as to fine-tune our game plans, to fine-tune our structures. And to be fair, in Bangladesh, they pushed us. They pushed us quite hard in the, in the first test before we pulled away and, and comfortably won the second. But that gave us the confidence then to go into India. We won that test match in Ahmedabad where we, we, we bowled them out in one session before lunch. And then, you know, batted beautifully and won by an innings in, 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 in Omnibad. And then got hijacked a little bit in Kanpur where they prepared that 
that wicket that that exploded from day one. But a one-all series in India was was very credible as well. And then that set us up to England. But by then, we knew our brand. We knew our strategies. Everybody was very secure in their roles. They knew what was needed from them. And there was a tight-knit squad of 15 guys there that were, that were going to... That, that, that we're going to win it for, for us. And we had built them and built them and built them. There it is. That, that should be it. That's it. The winning runs came from the man that mattered. The captain, Smith. What a fantastic innings. 154 not out. South Africa win by five wickets. They win the series. The first time they've beaten England in a series in England since their readmission to Test Match Cricket. That England tour was fantastic. You know, we played, struggled a little bit at Lords, hung in at Lords, played beautifully at at Headingley, and then um, I'll never forget that innings of Graham Smith, fourth innings. I think it's the best fourth innings uh, innings I've ever seen from a batsman to win us that series in 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 England at Edgebaston. That gave us the confidence then to go into Australia. Av De Villiers, that's an outstanding Test match for you. Runs in both innings, 100 in the second innings. That is the sort of test match you dream of as a player. Take on the world champions in their home turf. And to not just compete, but to win a game like this. That's a test match he will remember for the rest of his life. Australia could so easily have gone wrong, but we ended up chasing, what was it, 4.15 or 4.16 in Perth. I mean, nobody had ever chased that amount. And we and we chased that and and then... You know, once we chased that, we were so supremely confident of going to Melbourne and getting the win. And, and, and everything just fell into place. I mean, you can't... We, we looked like, at one stage, giving away a, a, a first-run um, a, a first deficit to Australia. And then, you know, Paul Harris and Dale Stain come in and take the game away. And an interesting antidote with that was I remember the boys, the morning we did our warm-ups. And, and I think it was, it was JP Doomney and Paul Harris that were batting. And we did our warm-ups. And, you know, the, the MCG is massive. You know, the viewing area is a long way away. So the whole team stayed in their whites in the changing. Rauch had taped up his fingers. We were all ready to go and field. And at five, I think it was about five o'clock, while well, JP Doomney had got it, played an innings of his life and ably assisted by Paul Harris and Dale Stain. Stain Dale got 70-odd and Paul Harris got about 45 and saw off the new ball. And we were still sitting in exactly the same places after tea on, on that same day. You know, it was, it, 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 as I say, the stars aligned. But the stars aligned for a reason, man, is because we had put the work in. You know, if Mother Cricket always, always smiles upon teams that have put the work in, done the job and done their preparation well. And we certainly had. And, and, and um, Mother Cricket smiled on us. And, and, and we got that ultimate win, which is... It was, it was fantastic. It was just an amazing, amazing feeling in that dressing room in Melbourne, knowing we, we were the first team to come to Australia and win a Test Series. It was more unlikely in my mind, that victory, than the 4-3-4 one-day game. I mean, I, it, as you said, when the seventh wicket fell, South Africa was still 210 runs behind. That's ended up with a, with a first innings lead <laughs> and winning before lunch on the fifth day. I mean, it was was impossible it was impossible i still look back and think you couldn't make that up no you couldn't you could not make it up and it, um, it, it, it was it was amazing i still uh, speak to paul harris and guys like that and 
it, it was just it was just amazing. I mean, do who do you remember that catch that went straight up to Michael Hussey and the ball went into the sun to Dale Staden about naught and he's he's sort of pulled away from it. But you know, the, I mean, who who could write that? The ball's gone lost. Michael Hussey, one of the safest hands in the game. He didn't see the ball and it landed like next to him. And and Dale's gone and got seventy. It was Mother Cricket certainly smiled on us, but she smiled on us for a reason, Manners, because we had done the hard work. So it ended strangely with South Africa. I mean, it, it, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Really, it was uh, it was a it seemed still to be a smoothly sailing ship, very successful. And then I guess you'd done your four years, five years, four and a half years. Yeah, but it, it did yeah. end oddly. Well, man, I, I did my five years, and that year after we beat Australia, it was kind of, that was the year we needed to challenge ourselves to go up to another level. And, and it kind of, I looked at myself as a coach, and, I, and I'd, I'd probably got a little bit stale. The boys had, who were young, because remember, it was a young team. We built that young team. Yes, there was the likes of, of Smith, Callis, and, and Boucher, very senior players. But Staines, Armlers, De Villiers, Morkels, Prince to a point, were all guys that that, that, Dumini, that, that that had come in into that setup, and and we had nurtured and built along the way, and and, and you know, and, and sometimes, man, as I think, as I've said to you, Mother Cricket, now Mother Cricket smiled on us 2008 because we had done the hard work and whatever. We got stale, and maybe we got a little bit cocksure of ourselves as a team, and we we we, we sort of might have got a little bit above our ambit, just a little bit, and 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 forgot what it what had taken us to that level. And I take full responsibility for that. And, you know, that was Mother Cricket saying, hang on, hang, hang on, Mickey, you know, you guys aren't that good. And, and, she, and it was almost the time to go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Catches the ball and that's the end. Extra bit of bounds and trying to look 
to hit it too hard. The edge flies in the air, nicely taken. But Brad Hodge, that brings the end of this match. It's been Australia all the way. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former South Africa, Australia and Pakistan head coach, Mickey Arthur. It was barely a year later that Cricket Australia came came courting you um, and, and you, you got that job. I have to, I'll be honest, I don't know whether I told you at the time, but I always had doubts. I always had doubts about that. But I guess you couldn't say no. Did you have doubts? No. Right. Well, I couldn't say no. As you've said, it wasn't the right time for me because I didn't understand Australian cricket well enough. I'd had one season with Western Australia. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know everybody in the, in the system. Obviously, Australia cricket had the August review. So it, 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 was, it was a tough time. There was more power to the coach, more power to the captain. There was suddenly a full-time selector. And we all reported into this new full-time cricket position, which was Pat Howard. So it, 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 it was a tough time because everybody was kind of jostling for their areas of responsibility. You know, where, where does the buck stop with me and start with him? And uh, we, we, were, we were under the microscope quite a lot. And, and that first year went, went quite well. There was obviously things within the team that, that weren't right. It, it was a team in transition. You know, I can say it quite openly. The captain and vice captain didn't get on at all. What had got, apparently this had been going on for a long time. Apparently there'd been issues when Ponting was captain. And, uh, you know, the, I didn't know that whole history. So I walked in into thinking this is fantastic without actually knowing exactly what was going on. Where I was at fault was I walked in and tried to run it like I ran South Africa. And without realizing that, that no, I should have just sat back and had a look and understood the dynamic and understood, understand the culture just a little bit more. So uh, I learned a very, very valuable lesson out of that. Um, and I'd like to think when I, when I took, went to Pakistan and now Sri Lanka, I learned some very valuable things where culturally, sit back, have a look, understand the culture you're working in, and then develop your philosophy and game plan around the, the culture of the team. And Dhoni smashed it. With two fielders in the deep, but don't worry about them. Let's land it in the stands. And that's kind of sealed the match. So you were in India um, getting thrashed. And so you used a tried and trusted coaching method. You asked them to apply their minds and to write down their thoughts. It obviously got <laughs> infamously labelled as homework gate. What, what happened there? Well, what happened, man, is we lost the second test. I mean, we had a very young side. We had only Shane Watson and Michael Clark were the only two players in that, in that squad that had played test cricket in India before. So, you know, I remember it was a very young batting order. Um, David Warner, Eddie Cowan, Philip Hughes. Usman Khawaja, uh, you know, Stephen Smith. It was a very, very young batting lineup intermingled with Watson and Clark. And, and, and we got soundly beaten in, uh, where was it, Hyderabad. And I'm in the change room at the end of the game, I said, guys, look, there's two tests to go. We're going to have three days off. Let's go and refresh ourselves totally. In those three days, just look yourself in the mirror. Spend, spend half an hour reflecting. Because all of us are going to do it, support staff as well. 
we're going we're gonna to spend three hours reflecting on how I can get better. And then is there three things you think that we could do better together as a team? So it was literally a, a, a 10 minute sort of, sort of session with yourself to, to, to understand what, he, what you could do. And I, I remember, you know, I got some, some great stuff, you know, some guys put stuff under my door that was where they clearly thought about it. A couple of guys sent me text messages with, this is what I want to do. Because what, what I, my idea was, was using all that information and then setting up the training sessions the, for, for leading into the third test match, because we still had the Bordig of Oscars uh, trophy. If we, if we drew the series, we'd still go home with it. And then I was going to use their suggestions in setting up their personal training sessions leading into the, leading into the test match in Mahali. And then, of course, you know, four, four guys didn't do it. And I sit back on, on, on that time and, and think, if I wasn't vocal about the four guys hadn't done it, because I knew I knew. And, and, and I'll never forget Eddie Cowan asking me on the plane, what's the responses been like? And, and Pop was sitting next to me and Gab Doby was, was, was just, in, was, I think, next to Eddie Cowan. And I said, oh, it's been great. And he said, you know, has everybody done it? And I said, yeah, no, just four guys haven't done it. They must have just forgotten. And, and I'll never forget, you know, guys are going, okay, well, which four? And with that, that escalated. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have given out the information, first and foremost. I should have gone to those four guys and had a, a quiet word. I, I then shouldn't have, have involved as many people as I did. I involved the whole support staff. And, of course, the whole support staff, when, you, when you're going to make a decision, it's easy for them to have input when the, when the, when the decision is so big. But they don't have to pull the trigger, you know. So, so I ended up pulling the trigger on it and 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 ultimately paying the price because once that was done, I was I was on a hiding to nothing, you know. And and then you know it, it sort of went on and bumbled on for sort of six six months. I lost a lot of the players, you know, particularly the four guys that 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 were involved in it, and and, and it bumbled on. Warner's involved in an altercation with Joe Root in a pub at the champions trophy. And, and of course I carried the can for that. So um, I, I would do things a lot differently if, if I had that time again, but it certainly wasn't homework gate by any means. I just couldn't believe what I saw. Yeah. The footage doesn't look good. Look, look, I don't think, I don't care who you are. You can't tamper with the ball. I saw an opportunity to potentially use some, use some tape, get some um, granules from the, you know, from the rough patches on the wicket and, and try to, yeah, change the ball condition. It, it's, it's premeditated cheating. It's blatant cheating. Okay. It's disgraceful. It's not accepted. It's Australia yet again. Obviously, it's clear as day what's happened. It's, it's not right to see the way my old man's been. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And my mum. It's... It hurts. You can see there, he's just shattered, you know. I just, I, I really feel sorry for him. Look, I'm a believer in, in sport, especially if you if you give it, then you've, you've got to take it sometimes, haven't you? I mean, on-field behaviour is a big thing for you. Um, and I, I know that, that it always has been. Um, you show respect to your opponent and you respect mother cricket. So you must have watched a, a range of emotions as Darren Lehman's team over the next course of the next three or four years generally i mean disintegrated the on-field behavior became worse and worse um and and darren lehman appeared now not even in retrospect at the time he appeared to be utterly in favor of it in fact he was because he endorsed 
pushing the line, headbutting the line. I went through a phase there of, of disappointment and anger. And let me first say, Darren Lehman's a hell of a coach. Like, I, I, I'm friends with Darren. He's, he, Darren's, Darren's a very good coach. Australia needed an Australian coach. And, and that was told to me very, very blatantly by one of the players over breakfast. We'll never move forward without an Australian as coach because an Australian understands us. So and Darren was the Australian man. They they loved him, you know. And Darren's a, what they say in Australia is a larrikin. He he holds court. He sits around the bar. He, he talks. The boys listen. He's and he's a very very good cricket coach. He's got a he's got a magnificent brain. What what I didn't like was was as because because half of homework gate. Once I had done it, I got the whole team together and said, boys, we are not respecting the game. Our discipline. Is going for a shambles. You're treating some of the support staff like servants. And I, I, actually, I actually came hard at the players just after that. And I, I saw it all then start unfolding because as they had more and more success, I thought their behaviours started to... And, and it's well chronicled. And, 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 I, and I, I spoke to the players about it. You know, I'd sent Dave... Davey Warner myself got on well. I'd sent Davey Warner a lot of text messages. Dave, just pull your head in. You know, and then I was really disappointed with how that South African tour panned out because I'd seen it coming. I'd seen it coming. And, uh, you know, at, at times, and, and the Australian players would say it for themselves, you know, you just think you're bulletproof. And they went there a phase where they, they kind of thought they were bulletproof. And, well, of course, it, it all came tumbling down and, and, and they've rebuilt themselves now very nicely under, under, under another good friend in Justin Langer. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, in conversation with Mickey Arthur. I mean, that you refer to that 2017 tour, Sandpaper Gate tour, but, but many England players and, and other players around the world uh, reckon that, uh, that Australia had it coming for the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they went through a phase where, where, where you know, under the Warns, the McGraths, the, you know, the, the, that team... And, uh, you know they were they were incredible and they, and they were just such a good cricket team um so they kind of got away with that with that call it arrogance and there's a very fine line for me between confidence and arrogance so you know they got because they they, they could back it up and then there was a phase where where Austra- Australia started battling so they 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 became a little bit meeker and a little bit milder and that was around the 2008 period when when we went there it was then England beat them in, in successive ashes and, and, and they kind of became this meek team. And I, and I think the whole point for, for Darren in terms of his coaching was we've got to get back to the Australian way. So, so the blueprint for the Australian way was, was, was that incredible team who just dominated because they could do it with their mouths, but they could dominate with their skills. I mean, they were, they were incredible. And they kind of got back to that but they didn't, you know, they couldn't quite back up the strut, you know, with the with the performance, and, and they kind of clashed a little bit, and 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 then they thought, okay, well, anyways, we've got to be Australian, and they thought, oh, we've got to just gob off and shout and carry on. When when I think they've kind of reflected on that, I mean, they're a bunch of they they're very nice guys, and as they we get them on a one on one, they're all very very nice boys, and I think they've 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 now matured. They've come out of it. I think they're very well led now by Justin. He's a, he's a good he's a good man, and I and I think they're playing now a brand of tough hard cricket, 
but whatever that line was, they, 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 they kind of don't cross it anymore. So, and their cricket's got better because of it. So do you agree that the, that, the, that great Australian team abused the opposition because they were beating them? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, we, we've got to be careful with the use of, the, of, of abuse. You know, they, 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 they certainly sledged them for, 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 for want of a, of a better word, but they backed that up because they were an unbelievable cricket team. An unbelievable cricket team. Hayden, Langer, Ponting, The Wars, McGraw, Warren, Gillespie, uh, Gilchrist, Haddon. Uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal cricket team. And, and um, you know, so, so, so they, they did have that swagger, and rightly so they had that swagger because they were just that damn good. And, and, and that almost then sort of became, for me, became, became like the Australian way. And, and, and so every other team thought they had to play like that, but they, they didn't quite have the, have the skill of those players. That's gone up in there. Sakras takes the catch. It's all over. Pakistan win. 158 India blown away in the final, and it's Pakistan who are through. Over the line, massive win. Great scenes. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former South Africa, Australia and Pakistan head coach, Mickey Arthur. I feel very conscious that I haven't left enough time to talk about Pakistan. So the Australia job ends. You do some private coaching in Perth. You talk of establishing a, an academy. But then Pakistan popped up. You had another phone call. Yeah, I did. I went, but I went and did a couple of leagues. I went to the Caribbean Premier League. I went to the Bangladesh Premier League. I, and I ended up going to the Pakistan Super League in its, in, in its first year with Karachi Kings. And immediately I felt a kind of attraction. It was, it was a system crying out for structure. It was a system, in my, in my view, crying out for leadership. It was everything you want in a coach as a project. And, and, you know, things didn't go well for them in the, in the three months after that first, uh, first Pakistan Super League. And, uh, and I got a phone call. And, and I jumped at that because I saw so much talent to work with, um, but just needed proper direction, proper goals, proper strategies, proper disciplines. Um, and, and, and I felt we could coax that, uh, that talent out of the boys. So uh, it, it, it turned into... An unbelievable three three years. I I I loved every minute of it. Champions Trophy, um, twenty seventeen, opening game, Pakistan India doesn't get any bigger. Biggest one of the biggest sporting occasions in the world. Absolutely hammered by a hundred <laughs> runs. Yeah. You and I bump into each other on the outfield afterwards. I don't think I interviewed you, but you said um, we'll bounce back from this. I think we're going to win it. And I thought he's lost it. Mickey's lost it. It's just been beaten by 100 runs. It just flopped on the biggest stage. And then two weeks later, you did win it. Yeah. And, and let's be honest. I walked past you and I was thinking, I was thinking, don't come back tomorrow. But, you know, I was thinking, I expected the, 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 the you know how it is, effigies burning in Lahore and Karachi. And, you know, sort of, sort of, because the one thing with coaching in Pakistan and coaching the subcontinent, the noise, the emotion, the emotion is such a part of it, which just gives you that adrenaline rush. So we were absolutely thrilled. I remember saying it to you on the outfield. I remember you coming down the steps. I said, we'll win it. And I thought, what have I just said? I must be going bonkers. I, I thought exactly the same as you. But I, 
I, I was kind of looking for a looking for a familiar face in that hostile crowd, just to just to kind of pep myself up with. And um, we had a really good chat. We had a we had a we 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 practiced well. We made some brave decisions. And the one thing I learned was I I made some uh, in that Champions Trophy first game. I made the conservative selections. And at the end of that game, Safi and I sat down after us and it said, "Stuff it. We 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 gang now. We gang aggressive. We're playing the young boys. Let's get them in. Let's see what they can do." And and it was just such an unbelievable ride. Those it, it has got to be without a doubt the best three weeks of my of my coaching career. The ride we went on, the emotions, the the ecstasy was 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 quite phenomenal. I, I I had the sense that you were so invested in that in that Pakistan job, and and uh, you were looking forward to to the test building the test team up, and because there is so much talent there. But I, I mean, I, the sense I got was similar to Australia. They wanted a Pakistani coach. Yeah, 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 hundred hundred percent. Now people talk about our World Cup. Our World Cup was actually was actually fairly good. We we had two poor games, and the West Indies game that started the World Cup cost us dearly because our net run rate was one that we could never, ever get back almost. Um, so we had to qualify in the top four. We couldn't tie for fourth because our net run rate was never, going to be, was never going to be enough. And we didn't play well against India for some unknown reason in Old Trafford. Other than that, we played exceptionally well. We ended up tied fourth. So we tied, we lost out to New Zealand on net run rate. We beat both New Zealand and England in the, in the preliminary games who were, who, who were finalists. And I felt come the back end of that World Cup, we were hitting our straps. If, had we got to a semi-final, we would have been a damned dangerous team. It was because we, I felt that same confidence level that we had at the Champs Trophy hit at the, at the, at the back end of that tournament. And um, so, so, th- so that, was, th- that was disappointing. I then had lunch the next day, straight after the World Cup with Essen Mani and Wazim Khan in a, a beautiful little restaurant just down from um, Mr. Essen Mani's house in, uh, in St. John's Wood. And, uh, and, and we discussed the next two years. It was, it was a done deal. I, I remember leaving from, from there to go straight to the airport to fly to South Africa for my for my daughter's wedding, and I knew you know it was great. I was coming back, so I'd flown back to South Africa. I flew back to England, and then from England I used my ticket to fly back to Lahore. Now, if I had any inclination that I wasn't going to continue, I would I wouldn't have flown back to Lahore. So I kind of did, and but then that Friday, you know, it, it was a strange week because I had to then go in front up to the cricket committee, and. I remember asking Essen and Mr. Damani in his house, so what happens if the cr- cricket committee says that they want to go in a different direction? He said, he said Mickey, it, it would have to be a damn good reason to get, um, to get it past me. Um, so I was pretty assured of that, that I was going to stay on. But as the week progressed, you know, you get that feeling. And then I walked into that, into that, that committee meeting and it was, it was hostile. It was hostile. Wazim Akram was on Skype. Wazim Khan was, was there. Mudassa Nazar. Zakia Khan. Mizbah. And, um, and, and a lady, Uruj Mumtaz. And that was the committee that I had to present to. 
I'll never forget the night before I I Wazim I phoned Wazim Makram. You know, I got, I get on really well with Wazim, and I and I said, look, uh, this is what I've this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to say. What, what do you suggest? And he said, uh, hey, Mickey, it's going to be tough, but just just go and give it your best. I said, yeah, I've prepared a, a two-year business plan of, of how we're going to take this take this forward. And he said, he said, that's great, fantastic. And I remember walking in, and I had this two-year business plan, and I and I, and I gave the two-year business plan out to all the to all the members of this of this committee, and I, and and they had clearly spoken about this two-year business plan because Wazim Khan said to me in the meeting, he said. Well, this is irrelevant because we're not talking about the next two years. We're talking about the year previously. So that was the end of the World Cup. He was talking about the performances preceding the World Cup or performances post-Champions Trophy, I think he said. It's not about the next two years. And I thought, well, this is strange because I prepared this. You, you were in Mr. Marnie's house. I prepared this, dos this dossier and... The only one who knew that I was going to give this dossier out was, was Wazi Makram. And I walked in, gave it out, and you told me, no, we're not going to talk about it. So clearly there had been, there had been a chat around that. And th that, that kind of disappointed me just a little bit. So it was very, very hostile. And I walked out. And I remember going back and Grant Flower and the, a couple of the support staff were at the – I said, this is, this is tough. I said, that was a tough meeting. I said, you know, I said, shit, we, we might be in a little bit of trouble here. And, 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 and the weekend, it was the weekend. So the weekend went by. Monday, nothing happened. Tuesday, I get a phone call in the morning to go and um, see Wazim Khan. But Wazim Khan's asked for me at 9 o'clock. He's asked for Grand Flower at 9.15. Uh, he was scheduled a phone call with Azam Mood at 9.30. And he was speaking to Grand Luden at 9.45. So I thought, hang on, this isn't so good. But still, I remember having a cup of tea with Grant. I said, okay, I'll, I'll see you on the, on the way out and I, I'll tell you what's happened. And I went in, said, no, we're moving in a different direction. I walked out, Grant's gone in. I said, don't even bother. He said, what do you mean? I said, we're we, we packing our bags. And he went and shook hands and we, we turned around and, and walked out. So it was pretty disappointing as to how it ended, man. But three years in Pakistan as an international coach is a, is, 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 is a, is a hell of an effort. And just thinking about, you know, this pandemic struck you know, who knows what would have happened to me with the Pakistan job. But clearly, Mother Cricket had, had in her mind made out that that was the end for you. And you go through two or three tough uh, months and suddenly Sri Lanka presents itself. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, in conversation with Mickey Arthur. And finally, Sri Lanka. Um, Colombo is just such a beautiful place to be based. And again, like Pakistan, there's no shortage of talent on the island. Are, are your feet firmly under the desk? Have you, are you, do you feel like the job started now? Firmly under the desk, man. As you know me, I, I, give, it, I give it 100%. Um, I'm loving every minute of it. Unbelievably skilled players. I've seen us in every format. Um, the boys present so well. They train the house down. Again, they were looking for direction. They were looking for leadership. They were looking at a, a system they could trust. Where, where, that, where they felt that they were protected, looked after, allowed to nurture within the parameters. Um, and I feel we've done all that. I'm so looking forward to this gig because, uh, again, I'm very privileged to have it. And, and, and it is a wonderful place and there's some wonderful cricketers and it's going to be a wonderful project. 
Enjoy Colombo and uh, we'll catch up. I don't know when and where, but we'll catch up sometime as soon as we're allowed to travel and tour. Mickey Arthur, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great, great pleasure Ab- here on the Cricket Collective. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Manners. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait for our paths to cross again soon. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 and our exclusive interview with the current Sri Lanka head coach, Mickey Arthur. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can always download the podcast from the following on feed, available on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify. From me, Neil Manthorpe, thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.